Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the start of week 14 edition of the Roto World Football Podcast. Glad you're here. Um, hopefully, you won last week or have won earlier in the season, so you're in the fantasy playoffs. Because um, I know for many, that starts in week 14. It does for me. And first, I want to say um, thank you for subscribing. And if you haven't already, rating and reviewing the podcast really does help on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. I'll read some of those, obviously, on Friday with the illustrious Evan Silva. And he'll hand out some um, much sought-after compliments. Let's put it that way. They're really, really top-notch. Um, and on the line right now is Raymond Summerlin with his waiver-wired column. It does not stop for the end of the regular season. It goes into the playoffs. Ray, I have a question for you to start. Have you ever had a dream about fantasy football? Uh, no, I haven't. I don't dream, though, but that, I suppose that's a conversation for a therapist. So, But no, I haven't. I'm sure you dream. You probably just don't remember your dreams. Yeah, I'm not smart enough to actually remember what happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I did dream last night about fantasy football. about Because in, in a league that I'm in, if Adam Vinatieri scores 23, I am out of the playoffs after being, and no one wants to hear about my fantasy team, I'm going to say it anyways, um, after being in the lead of this league for a long time. Um, and so I stayed up for about an hour because, Ray, I was whenever I'd fall back asleep, I would wake I would, I would dream about this Yahoo scoring page that had Adam Vinatieri <laughs> scoring 25 and me not making it, honestly. And I, I, I like couldn't sleep because of it. It was absolutely ridiculous. And I even knew it was ridiculous at the time because I was like, this game hasn't happened, and I'm dreaming about fantasy football, most of all. So that, that really puts together where my life is at age 28 right now, Ray. I'm still not convinced that yesterday wasn't a dream. I'm not... I'm still yeah. not sure that I didn't die on Saturday night, and this is just all. <laughs> well, this is just all some kind of a long-gated punishment for me. I haven't. I'm still not convinced that that's not what happened. Yeah, let's get into that topic. I'm guessing you're referring to, and that is Colin Kaepernick uh, putting up about two and a half points uh, against the Chicago Bears. <laughs> um, Ray, we talked about Colin Kaepernick a lot last week, right? And a lot of people did in the fantasy community. And I'll say this, like you and I aren't the type to get aggressive at, you know, other people when they bring up that we missed on something, right? We, we are very understanding that we will miss on a lot of things, but kind of put into perspective how ridiculous and unexpected 
um, this almost goose egg was from Colin Kaepernick. Like, should there have been any signs pointing to him producing nothing after being the quarterback since six since taking over as a starter? The weather is is really the only thing that I think that that maybe I didn't take enough account of. But if you really go back and look at our and I'm, this is anecdotal, this is just me and my experiences. So maybe I'm off base here. It's certainly something I'm going to try to look up this week when I get some time. But snow is actually has been in the past beneficial for offenses. It's not really something that you that you really have to worry about right. from a fantasy football perspective. The only thing I really worry about with weather is wind, and it didn't seem like that was a factor. It, I mean, this. I really think that that performance was down to coaching. Yeah. What happened with Colin Kaepernick was the fact that Chip Kelly called a terrible football game, and the fact that they weren't able to do anything in the passing game, or they didn't even try to do anything in the passing game. I don't think that that's on Colin Kaepernick. And then he benches him f- for Gabbert, and you know that doesn't work out either. I. This is this was such an odd game, but it but it wasn't like Kaepernick wasn't the only strange thing. We don't have to lead quarterback to look at other crazy things that happened. Joe Flacco threw four touchdown passes. Right. Joe, Joe Flacco hadn't thrown for more than one touchdown pass against any team that didn't play in Cleveland the Drew entire Brees season. Did nothing at home against the Detroit Lions. It's just, it's, it, it was baffling. Right now, Brock Osweiler is the sixth highest scoring quarterback of right. the week. That is that is the world that we live in right now. It's just it was a it was an unfathomable, unfathomable week. And and, and like I said, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm dead. So can we spin this forward with Colin Kaepernick? Because as of right now, recording this on a Monday night, and I should have said that with the Adam Vinatieri stuff, obviously, when you see this on Tuesday, you'll know if I win or lost and you'll know if I lost by my Twitter feed. But with Colin Kaepernick, Ray, we, right now we don't know if he's going to be the starter moving forward. I mean, based on being benched at halftime and them really only, only allowing him to throw, what, like five passes when on the field? Yeah. When even in the second half, like Matt Barkley was being somewhat successful throwing the football for Matt Barkley standards, you know? Like, it again, it makes no sense spinning it backwards, but looking forwards, um, what, what are we going to do with Colin Kaepernick, right? Because as he was playing since taking over the starter, like I said— he really was an every week starter as a top 12 quarterback option. Yeah, I think the knee jerk reaction would be to drop him. And and if the 40, 49ers name Blaine Gabbert the starter, then then sure, you can drop him. But I'm going to hold off. I, I The last four weeks were not a fluke. He didn't put up those points on accident. I'm not really that mad that I played him in a bunch of DFS and season long lineups because I think if you go back and do that week again and, and you even consider the weather, which I which I did, and it, maybe and again, I'm going to go and look at the numbers. I would have made the same decision to say that right. he is he was a top five option going up against a banged up defense. And by the way, if he starts this week up against the Jets, I will have it's more a great DFS. Matchup. Yeah, I will have DFS lineups with Colin Kaepernick in them if he starts this week against Jets. I, I understand not using him in the fantasy playoffs because of because of that floor that he showed last week that that I really don't think we thought he had at this point. Right, that was my but, question. Yeah. But it's not unreasonable at all to say that he's going to have a good game against the Jets. And then in week 15 against the Falcons, we're kind of excited to use him again. So I'm not dropping him as long right. as he keeps the starting job. Yeah. Um, and it's just amazing that even if he is named the starter, like now we know that it might not be for a full game. You know, they might just pull him at halftime. And it's just crazy thinking about it and looking at the offense. Like the offense is so much better when he's on the field than with, when, with Blaine Gabbard on the field. Like it makes no sense to go back to Blaine Gabbard at all. But again, sometimes football does not make sense, Ray. And we miss. Let's move on to a name that you've brought up a lot, 
over the last few weeks. Um, I know a lot of people were talking about Adrian Peterson as a pickup for the rest of the season or the rest of the fantasy playoffs. But you've brought up Charles Sims's name for a number of weeks, right? Because he's going to have a role in this offense no matter when he comes back. And right now, he was just activated off of IR. So, Ray, what are your views on Charles Sims now? Well, I mean, this was the first week he was eligible to be activated off injured reserve. And I, he hasn't officially been activated yet, but Coach Dirk Cutter said that he's going to be. So, I Got mean, I, you can take that to the bank. But he, this was the first time he was eligible, and he's going to be activated. The first time he was eligible to practice was two weeks ago, and he started practicing. That suggests to me that there's no concerns about this injury, that they're not, they weren't holding him out. In fact, when the injury happened and they, they put him on injured reserve, it was surprising that they put him on injured reserve. It didn't seem like that type of injury. And maybe at this point they regret doing that after kind of what happened to their running back situation. But he's coming back in an interesting time. Doug Martin didn't play in the final three series of last week's game. He said that he kind of got bent backwards. There was no real, there was no real, you know, uh, they didn't really talk about what the injury was uh, and what that means when he was bent backwards. Who knows? He says that he's fine. Uh, the coach says that he's fine, but they held him out of the last three series for a reason. Maybe that reason was he hasn't been particularly effective mm-hmm. effective since coming back from injury. So so we'll kind of have to see how that plays out. And Jacquez sim- got those touches, right, down to his final three series for the most part? Yeah, that was that was all Jacquez Rogers. He had some uh, catches, and I believe he had a, a pretty long catch too. And when you look at Charles Sims, he's coming back now this situation. Even if Jacquez is, is there, I, I look at him as like the handcuff for Martin. I think that Sims is going to be the guy that's getting these kind of passing down work. And he comes back to a team that's going to play the Saints twice in the next two weeks. And the Saints have given up the third most receiving yards to running backs this week. I mean, this season. So obviously that's a good matchup for him if he's going to be using the passing game. The Bucks just lost another receiver to injured reserve and in a terrible injury to Cecil Shorts. So we're looking at a situation they need someone to catch the catch the ball. Sims is that. So all of this, I'm putting it kind of this all these jigsaw pieces together. And when you look at it, it looks like Sims is someone that if you're kind of desperate, if you need a flex play, he's someone that could be that, I think, this mm-hmm. week, even in his first week off injured reserve. How about the Green Bay Packers running back situation? I mean, we advocated for picking up James Starks for multiple weeks. Um, it looked like he was going to be, I mean, it's not like the Packers run the ball frequently, but they're top running back. And then this past weekend, he plays just a handful of snaps, and it's Ty Montgomery and Kristen Michael seeing more. Um, which one of those two would you rank higher, and uh, are they actually a high priority uh, with this waiver period? I would rank Ty Montgomery higher, but but no, I'm not interested in, in either one of them. The problem is, is that, the reason I liked James Starks was because I thought that they wanted a quote unquote running back back there. Ty Montgomery was having his, you know, his, his medical issues and I didn't really think they trusted him to be the workhorse. And that's how it played out to begin with. But James Starks just isn't very good at this point. And, and I don't know if it's injury. I don't know what it is, but he's just not playing well. He had one yard on four carries. Ty Montgomery has very clearly for the past couple of weeks been their best backfield option. He's very clearly been their best backfield option since Eddie Lacy went down and, and maybe even before that. But the problem is they've, they've not really used him like that, especially after the illness. He did play 29 snaps. He was on the field against the Texans when they were trying to salt the game away. But he kind of has three problems working against him. The first is the Seahawks are next up on the schedule. The second one is you mentioned Kristen Michael, who had – 11, 11 uh, snaps, and he had nine carries. We actually had more carries than Ty Montgomery, even though Montgomery led the team in rushing. And the third is that we don't, we can't trust this 
rotation moving forward. I mean, right. it, they tried to bring James Starks back in the second half, and he started the second half, and he he didn't gain a yard on that carry, and, and then eventually he kind of fell out of the fell out of the picture. But you can't trust this rotation. So if you have a bad matchup in a rotation, you can't trust with players who might hopefully see 10, 10 carries. I mean, that's not something you're getting very excited about, I don't think, in the first round of the playoffs. Let's move over to the Seattle Seahawks with their wide receiver situation. Um, I mean, Tyler Lockett received a ton of buzz during the offseason, right? And was taken at a pretty large ADP. And at some point, I'm sure all of those fantasy owners dropped him this year because they could see the writing on the wall during the preseason when, well, I guess they should have, that he was running as the third wide receiver and that he had multiple injuries, yada, yada. And finally, he has a breakout game against the Carolina Panthers, now with a healthy Russell Wilson, now with a healthy Tyler Lockett. Um, is this something we should count on moving forward? I mean, the team was running the ball very well for almost the first time all year against the Panthers, something that a lot of teams haven't been doing. It just seems like, Ray, a healthy Russell Wilson is kind of the key cog to move all the pieces around. And if that is true, is Tyler Lockett maybe the second most owned receiver should be on that Seahawks offense? I, I guess he should be. He should certainly be higher owned than Jermaine Curse. I, I just don't see much difference between last night and what we had been seeing from Tyler Lockett. I mean, he saw six targets, which he he has done three of the last four games. He's had six targets. He played around 60% of the snaps, which is which is right about where he's been around. In fact, his worst game in the last four games was last week, and he actually played the most snaps in that week. He was due for a big game, but even if you look at, well, why did he have a big fantasy game? It's because he had a 75-yard touchdown run. Without that, he has, you know, what is he at, 63 yards receiving. So mm-hmm. I I just don't see it. I, I don't want to put my, my eggs in that basket. I know it's a good matchup against the Packers going to Green Bay, but I think it's more likely that he catches three passes for 40 yards against the Packers yeah. than he has another blow-up game. It's just this has been who Lockett who Lockett has been at least for recently and for most of the season. And, and it really hasn't worked out too much before Sunday night. Yeah. And some snazzy kickoff returns. And it's not like those add fancy points for us either. Cause there's just yards, obviously. Um, I'm sure though, that this finally will be a name that you're interested in. Ray Malcolm Mitchell uh, is playing a lot more uh, with Robert Gronkowski out. Um, again, this is a situation we just didn't know what it was going to be like with Gronk out. Um, even though we've seen it in previous weeks, um, just because we kind of expect the unexpected with the New England Patriots in terms of deploying their skill position players. So what about Malcolm Mitchell? What do you like about him? Well, I, it, the two games that Gronk hasn't played in in the last three weeks, um, or that he didn't start in the last three weeks, Mitchell played 86% of the snaps in one of them and 85% of the snaps in the other one. He had four catches for 98 yards and a touchdown against the 49ers. He had eight catches for 82 yards against the Rams on 10 targets. I mean, it's become pretty clear he's going to play a lot of snaps and he's someone that Brady trusts and he's been more involved in the offense than at least the passing offense consistently than Chris Hogan, who who plays more snaps, but he's not really used in that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think we could see a situation, especially with, with Martellus Bennett, I mean, doing nothing. We talked about Martellus Bennett I I know we talked about him on the Thursday show. I think we talked about him here and the fact that even with Gronk out, he really hasn't been doing anything. That was yep. now his fifth game of the seven with Gronk out or limited where he had under 25 yards. It just hasn't been happening for him. So if if you're you know putting that faith in Martellus Bennett, I don't know if that, that's well placed. They need to throw to somebody. They're going to throw a lot. 
I think Mitchell's the second guy. I wouldn't be surprised if down the rest the rest of the way, the next month, he was the second most targeted player on the team behind Julian Edelman. That obviously makes him a pickup. He does get the Broncos in two weeks. He does have the Ravens this week, but the Ravens have given up the most touchdown or second most touchdowns to wide receivers this year. So that's really not as imposing mm-hmm. of a matchup as you might think it is. So I, I think all of it adds together that Mitchell is a is a kind of high-end wide receiver three with upside to be quite a bit more in that offense with Tom Brady throwing him the ball. And no Danny Amendola either, right? Most likely yeah, for the exactly. playoffs, which is exactly. just another mouth that does not have to be fed. And I think just with the Martellus Bennett uh, portion, I think he had, what, a, a contested uh, target that it was pretty clear that if Gronk was in there, maybe that's the difference between them. I'm not saying that Martellus Bennett's a bad football player. In fact, I would consider him one of the, the complete tight ends in the NFL. But I think you see the difference in what Gronk can do and what Martellus can do. And asking him to do what Gronk does is not exactly possible, and the Patriots probably recognize that as well. Let's close out with the tight end uh, among these big names, and that's Ladarius Green. Again, someone who was paid money this offseason by a team. Maybe the Steelers, what, biggest free agent acquisition? Uh, And then he was on, what, the pup list to start the year and missed a ton of time. Um, Who We didn't even know if he was going to play this season, honestly. And then it comes out, I think, Sunday morning or Saturday morning that the Steelers want to get him more involved. And they certainly did that in the game on Sunday. Uh, Is this someone that the Steelers kind of need a second pass-catching threat? I mean, obviously, Le'Veon Bell is one and Antonio Brown is one. But um, they are really lacking someone to get down the field vertically. And the Darius Green has been doing that very well in his limited time. Yeah, I've been very hesitant on Green, but... But I'm in now. I mean, the most important factor for me was not the fact that he had a big game. I, that that doesn't really matter. That's I, I think people get ma- so caught up in the stats. I don't think stats are as predictive as snap percentage. And his snap percentage has risen in e- each of the last three games. It was all the way up to 48% against the Giants. It seems like that's going to continue to go up. And I guess maybe even more importantly than that, he's running a route on almost all of his snaps. He's very rarely being mm-hmm. asked to stay in and block either in the running game or the passing game. So when he's on the field, he has an opportunity for a target. Now, and he also has a pretty good schedule down the rest of the way. He does get the Ravens uh, in week 16, I think, which which is not ideal. The Ravens have been very good against tight ends, but he gets the Bills this week who have given up some big games to some of the better tight ends they face. Then he gets the Bengals in week 15, and then he gets the Browns in week 17. And if you play in week 17, I mean – Ladarius Green against the Browns, that could that could be a, a league-winning matchup for sure with the way Browns give up tight end points. So I, I was hesitant on him. I wanted to see him play more. He did this last week, and now I'm pretty much in. I think he's a plug-and-play guy the rest of the way, and he's the number one tight end out there on the wire for sure. Right, and, and what you're talking about, the usage is what matters here because it's not like every team gives up tight end points like the New York Giants either, right? And that's who he just played. They're one of the worst teams against tight ends, it seems like, for years and years. So, yeah, the usage is obviously super positive, and we know that the tight end position uh, can be, what's the right term, just a train wreck at times, a trash yeah. heap. And so this actually has some up, upside and some optimism. Um, how about deep cuts, I generally, right? yeah, I generally call tight end a horrific, dystopic landscape yep. in which all happiness goes to die. Yep, that makes sense. Absolutely makes <laughs> sense. Um, deep cuts, Ray, favorite time of the week. Hit me with some. Well, one guy that just doesn't qualify and news is just coming out on him is Justin Forsett. He's owned in 6% leagues, so 1% too high, doesn't qualify. He was picked up off waivers from the Broncos who put Capri Bibbs 
on on injured reserve with an ankle injury he suffered last week. I mean, Devontae Booker, I, I'm still a Booker fan. I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Hopefully he has the Melvin Gordon second season and, uh-huh. and we could put all this behind us. But he has not been good. He's averaging 2.8 yards per carry in his last five games. And if you think about Forsett, we think, oh, well, he's coming to a new team. He's going to have to learn the playbook. He's coming to Gary Kubiak, right. who he had his best season under in 2014 with the Ravens when Kubiak was the offensive coordinator there. He should know the playbook well enough to be involved early. The problem is he just really hasn't been that good this season, and the Broncos have struggled to run the ball all season. I'm picking him up. I think he's going to get immediate action. I his think he's third team this season, possible. right? Yeah, it's his third team. Yeah, he had the he had the Ravens and then the Lions and, yeah. and now now the and with the Lions, it's important to note he was behind Dwayne Washington and Zach Center with the Lions, so it wasn't like he was behind some some you know Hall of Fame running back. So I think that you know no, no disrespect to Zach Center. So I I think that. There's a you know there's a chance that this amounts to nothing, but I do think even though I don't I'm not going to trust him in my lineup right now he's the kind of guy that I'm interested in stashing, uh, moving forward. Some of the other deep cuts, I mean we talked about Rex Burkhead he played 27 snaps he had 12 touches against the Eagles which is even more interesting because that's a game the Bengals dominated. It's my guy Ray, it's my guy. I'm telling you he he has a role. Yep, he and does. And so especially in deeper PPR leagues and they have the Browns up next for a role player. They. Didn't they? No, that was Ryan Hewitt that that they gave a big. I was trying to think. It wasn't. It's not as in Burkhead. It was Hewitt they gave a big contract to, and then played him four snaps. It wasn't Burkhead. But right. either way, he the Browns are up next. He's involved. Certainly, there's not much out there with running backs. If you really need help in deep leagues, he's certainly someone to know. Um, and before I let you go, anyone? Let's get negative for a second. Anyone that you're absolutely looking to cut? I mean, I I've kind of this week will be the only the first week that I don't have the drop list in the column. I, I take oh, it out okay. in the playoffs because the answer to who can I cut is anybody within reason that's not going to help you this week. It's good to know. Because, because I mean, it doesn't matter at, at some point it, on your who's on your bench. If you need someone for right now and the player that you're looking at is not going to help you right now, well, next week doesn't matter unless you win this week. So I think that I think you can kind of play it that way. And once again, we should say this, like pick up Alfred Morris if he's out there, right? Because how the scheduling is working out. Um, It looks like, and this might just be my opinion, Ray, it looks like the Dallas Cowboys might lock up the number one seed by week 16. And so if we're projecting a little bit, um, hey, Alfred Morris could see 20, 25 carries that week. And that's not such a bad thing just to find out in your wave wire. And once again, if you have your starting lineup set, maybe a couple guys after that, I think Alfred Morris is an upside play. Ray, do you disagree or what? Yeah, I have him owned in a couple leagues. I think he's one of the one of the highest upside handcuffs right there with with Derek Hendry, D'Angelo Williams when when he gets healthy. I think that those three guys are are guys that if you're into handcuffing, I think right. that that was a weird thing to say. If you are, uh, <laughs> if you oh, if gosh. you believe in the theory, <laughs> we had to have one Ray. If you believe, <laughs> are you going to mark that down? Nope, or? I'm not. We're leaving that in. That's for those who listen through the whole podcast. It's an Easter egg. Isn't that what they call them? Yeah, I'm done talking for this podcast. All right. Thanks, Ray. Uh, I will talk to you on Thursday for the Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia. That's a Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia. Um, and Ray has a podcast with Rich and Nick Minzio on Thursdays on this channel, obviously. And mine comes out on Friday. 
with Evan Silva and Rotopats. Once again, if you like us, subscribe. If you like us a lot, you can rate and review. Um, and I'll talk to you all soon. See you then. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.